Hello everyone and welcome back to an extra special edition of Always Foolish. Today I'll be breaking down my top 5 celebratory big finishes to get you in the mood for the 60th anniversary. So buckle up and enjoy the audio ride. Number 5. Zagreus Doctor Who. Zagreus He set then his course to a scar on the face of creation, where the stars lived and died in the churn of one night, and decay was the only true constant. And the gate of Zagreus opened before him, and all of the antiverse was revealed to him, and its terrible beauty ached in his hearts. Zagreus is a weird one. You'll probably find it at the top and bottom of a lot of people's big finish lists. And to be honest, probably top and bottom of the same list. It's the culmination of the Eighth Doctor's first Charlotte Pollard arc. So having saved Charlie from the RO1 airship and her preordained fiery death, the Doctor unleashes this living paradox, Charlie, onto the universe. And through Charlie, anti-time, anti-matter, anti-time, begins to spread into reality, corrupting everything it touches, distorting it, controlling it. And to save the universe, the Doctor manages to contain sort of anti-time, the anti-time bomb, in the TARDIS, destroying them both in the process. But out of this explosion comes Zagreus, a corrupted version of the Eighth Doctor, which is driven to destroy everything, including his friends. For all intents and purposes, the Doctor is dead. Zagreus lives. Zagreus is really a story of many, many parts. It flicks between sections that are focused on Charlie discovering the sort of secret hidden history of Rassilon, and Zagreus roaming through the TARDIS in a really, really strange semi-Alice in Wonderland style adventure. It, it's very weird. There's no way around it. It's very weird. Each of those sections with Charlie also includes a different Doctor. You've got Peter Davison, Sylvester McCoy and Colin Baker, of course. But they're not playing the Doctor. In fact, the only actor credited as playing the Doctor is John Pertwee, who had been dead for a while at this point. He was in here through sort of archival recordings from fan conventions. Almost every role is actually played by a recurring cast member. You've got Mark Strickson, Turlow from the TV series. You've got Nicola Bryant, Perry from the TV series, Sophie Aldred, Ace, you know, uh, all of them, as well as some big Finnish stalwarts. You've got Lisa Bauman in there, uh, who usually plays Buddy Summerfield as I'm pretty sure a big duck. But it does make the play feel a lot like a reunion, a really lovely, exciting reunion. And in fact, this weirdness has its benefits. It's unlike any other Doctor Who story. It really, really is. And in fact, in the scenes with Charlie, where Rassilon's manipulations are kind of revealed, they really, really shine. They give Peter, uh, Colin and Sylvester a chance to play characters that are really far removed from their Doctors, from what they were able to do on television. My favourite, I think, is Peter Davison's fanatical Reverend Townsend, who is a army priest, 
equal parts fascinated yet repelled by the idea of scientific progress it's something that as a scientist myself it's really evocative of the the conflict that exists between faith and scientific rationality there's also the ever-present threat of the divergent a species that was removed from time by rassilon and that adds extra tension and mystery you never really find out who the divergent are what they are you will uh, a lot later in different audios but for now it's left a weird mystery. All they appear as is some sound design. And it makes their short appearances really memorable because it's scary. It's kind of difficult to describe. It's a cacophony. There's no other real quick summary. But that minimal context, I think, really, really adds to the air of this bizarre audio. And the scale of the story, the epicness of the threat... It lends it gravitas. It feels important. You can tell every performer is super happy to be there. They are giving that all. So despite the fact it's a incredibly odd listen, it's not what you expect from an anniversary special, and indeed can be extremely hard to follow, and sometimes it's just a mess. And it's hard. It's an amazing story. It's about what makes the Doctor the Doctor. It's about what makes Doctor Who Doctor Who. It's about loss. It's about grief. It's about love. It's about friendship. It is a really interesting listen, and it has one hell of a cliffhanger. Sent from my iPhone. Wait, I wasn't meant to read that bit of the script. Number four, fanfare for the common men. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the year's top pop sensation. This is what I was talking about, Nissa. Why is everyone making so much noise, Doctor? We can't even see them yet. This is what the Beatles inspired in people. Good grief. What is it, Doctor? It's not there. Who are these Beatles, then? Are they another group? Yes. Are they any good? You must have heard of them. Nobody's as good as the common men. (gasps) The common men! Landed us in the wrong place, have you, Doctor? No, 31st of October 1963. This is definitely right. Something is very, very badly. Get down! Cheers, we've been the common men and we'll continue to be so tomorrow. Fanfare for the Common Men is another weird one. It was released for the 50th anniversary as a part of the Doctor Who main range, which was the sort of monthly big finish releases at the time. And they did a series of audios one for each of the main range doctors so five six and seven each set in 1963 and fanfare for the common men is by far the best one they're all good but this one is really really brilliant as demonstrated by the fact it got a separate vinyl release which i do have the basic plot is uh, the movie yesterday if you've seen the movie yesterday it's that the doctor takes nissa to that famous event where the beatles got off the plane at, i think hamburg airport And it's not the Beatles. It's a new band called The Common Men. Someone has removed the Beatles from time. How and why? And you think, okay, well, that's going to be quite small scale. But actually, it evolves into something about the power of fame and the power of faith and the power, the sort of butterfly effect, the the large effects that tiny little changes can have and in the end becomes genuinely a universal threat. It was written by Eddie Robson, and what's really clear is his true love for the Beatles. 
absolutely shines through. The Doctor gives a speech about why the Beatles are important, how they affect pop culture history, and how that impacts other people, the power of music. And honestly, what's so great about it is it makes me feel nostalgic for something I wasn't alive for. Not only that, something I wasn't particularly into. I like the Beatles. They are actually one of my favourite bands. I mean, they weren't at the time, but they are now. But the fact of the matter is, it it manages to make you excited and invested in something that you might not actually have much of a purchase on. And that really is the power of, of true drama. It's also just really fun. Like, it's funny. It does a great thing of splitting the Doctor and Nissa up which gives them both a lot to do because obviously they're both written as very, very intelligent characters. So that works really well. It also then, it doesn't just focus on like the band while they're formed. It also goes to the common men like after they've split up and there's again some very, very funny pastiches on the Beatles. The other thing is the soundtrack is amazing. There's at least three original songs. It feels incredibly authentic. It's just a lovely listen. It's a huge recommend. It's two hours of non-stop fun. I mean, seriously, it is... It's just an excellent story and a really wonderful way to celebrate not necessarily Doctor Who, but the 60s. Number three. The Artist at the End of Time. Gathered in this gallery are the final artworks produced by the world's now sadly silenced by time. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who... Once and future, the artist at the end of time. You wouldn't happen to have any Time Lord DNA in this gallery, would you? You, show me stuff. Something is wrong. What are you doing at this end of time? About stuff a time war. You? Well, actually, I came here to find... The artist at the end of time is the most recent entry on this list. It was released for the 60th anniversary as part of Big Finish's Once and Future event, which is where the Doctor has been struck by a degeneration weapon and so is flitting through all his different lives and now he's travelling around the universe trying to find out why. And, And indeed the how and the when. So this was the second release in the range and as you can see it stars Peter Davison as Fifth Doctor and also... Georgia Tennant as Jenny and of course Georgia Tennant is Peter Davison's real life daughter and it's always really lovely when these two get to do stuff together it makes the relationship feel really warm when she calls him dad which she does a few times it just feels nice it feels right but that's not the only reason this is on my list now it also features Colin Baker not as the sixth doctor but as the sixth doctor curator Big Finish introduced another version of the curator who is a bit more active, a bit more interfery than the Tom Baker's sort of hands-off approach. What is wonderful about that version of the character is that he is able to interact more of the stories. In this story, the Doctor seeks out Jenny because he thinks that her presence will help stabilise him and in the process finds the final gallery, which is a gallery right at the end of the universe in terms of time that contains just the last piece of art made on a load of destroyed planets. It was an incredible concept, a really, really specific, really, really Doctor Who concept. And as the Doctor and Jenny start to collect these different bits of art, they slowly discover a conspiracy. The seal of Rassilon painted in the background of each. It's a, it's a artist's signature. And that leads them to the curator. He is the artist, the artist at the end of time. And every world he paints is destroyed. And that's where the tragedy sets in. 
James Goss, who wrote this, has a real excellent habit of splitting his stories into kind of multiple five-minute-ish chunks. You know, he'll create constant new settings, pulp them for a bit, and then move on. What that means is that his stories not only move on at a pace, but are able to very quickly develop an overall theme. And the theme of this is nostalgia and the problems with nostalgia, the problems with fandom as well, of, of trying to seal things in resin. I think it's a really important message, actually, for the year in which Doctor Who celebrates its 60th anniversary. This stuff was not meant to be put in a glass case and sealed shut forever. This stuff was meant to be loved and experienced and interpreted by all. And what the artist at the end of time manages to do is not just deliver that, but deliver an amazing story. It's funny, it's heartfelt, and it is really sad. I really can't recommend it enough. It is it is a brilliant release. And if you only listen to one of the Once and Future audios, this one is by far and away the one you should be listening to. Number two, Masterful. I presume you summoned me? To a ruined castle on a desolate rock? Uh, hardly my style. From Big Finish Productions. You may have wondered why I called you here today. To a ruined castle carved from obsidian, decorated with black marble, black drapes, one senses a theme. It's because one of you in this room is a murderer. And it's me! <laughs> Masterful. Ah, my dear master, 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 and master. This is a very great and, may I say, unexpected pleasure. We've never done this before. Got together, had a chinwag, swapped evil schemes. Yes, and knees up. And it's not just to cheer up, you sad sops. No, it's to gloat. Why? Lean in. No, lean closer. Masterful was created to celebrate the 45th anniversary of everyone's favourite arch nemesis with the cackle that just won't stop, the Master. The Master has won, and he calls his other selves to celebrate his victory. We have pretty much every Master that's ever been done. So we've got the John Sim Master, who's the Master that's won. Then we've got Derek Jacobi as the War Master. We've got Eric Roberts' TV Movie Master. Alex McQueen's kind of Big Finish Revived Master. Then we've got Anthony Ainley's Master being played by John Colshaw. We've also got Missy, Michelle Gomez. Then we've got Mark Gatiss's Unbound Master, who's a little bit different. He's from an alternate universe. And we have the crispy Jeffrey Beavers Master. And the young School Age Master there, previously played by William Hughes, now played by... Someone that looks a lot like Joe Sugg. His name is Milo Parker. Masterful is a weird one. It starts off with a massive party featuring all the masters. And it really has all the interactions that you want. Every single master gets to say something else to another one. They just are clearly having a lot of fun. They're very confused. They're very evil. They probably want to kill each other. They might want to do other things to each other. It's very weird. And then they all try and eat Joe Grant, which is, um, guess... James Goss, who wrote this, learnt something from the end of time. However, stopping them from eating Joe and, and saving the day is Missy entering in what I can only describe as a culturally insensitive disguise, which is difficult on audio, but I think she manages it. Your cute little frowny frowns, the seven dwarfs, schemey, 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 and crispy. That's you, barbecue. And from there, the story becomes about how the master won. 
the weapon or the creature he harnessed to do it and the planet they're on the planet from which he took over the universe there's something destructive on this world and we begin to witness the sort of end of this civilization from three different angles we see the actual sort of destruction endpoint with john sim and Derek jacoby's masters paired together then we see a colony ship evacuating the civilization uh, with the young Milo Parker master, who's really interesting, I should say. He is a kind of more pragmatic master. He's not evil. He doesn't like super loads of murder. He doesn't enjoy it. It's all a means to an end for him. And then Axe McQueen's very smarmy, very murderous master. And then you also get the kind of paradise that one woman manages to set up for herself on this destroyed planet. Jeffrey Beavers initially washes up there and he is disguised somehow. And she just sees him as a normal bloke, presumably looking like normal Jeffrey Beavers, not horribly burnt Jeffrey Beavers. And they start to fall in love. And as the master falls in love, of course, the Eric Roberts master appears and just destroys him. What Masterful manages to do is show every facet of the character and really come up with the idea that we've not necessarily seen on television before that what drives the master is hunger he wants it's hard for me to say more without spoiling the kind of mechanics of the story if you really want a fun time and you love our evil little boy masterful is the way to go number one the light at the end Sometimes I think you're probably the finest ship ever to have sailed the vortex. Oh, my word. So now we know. Now we know for sure. But why are they here, hmm? Why are all the doctors here? Hello, my dear. Doctor. What is it, Nessa? Here. Look. In the doll's house, what? Look through the window. Come on, Ace! Run! What's happened? Where am I? You're in the TARDIS. How do you do? I beg your pardon? Oh, no need to. I'm the Doctor, and this is... I am Leela. All of them? They were you? Three minutes past five. 17 The 23rd of November, 1963. The 23rd of November, 1963. 59A Barnesfield Crescent, Totten, Hampshire. Crescent, Totten, Hampshire, England. Earth. Stop fiddling about and get on with it. Charlie, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll come back for you. You hear me, Charlie? Doctor, no! It appears to be some kind of warning. All this cloak and dagger business? You're clearly up to no good. By all means, please do come out to play, Doctor. I'm waiting for you. Oh, the light at the end. What can I say about you that's not already been said? Probably nothing, but luckily I haven't read any other reviews, so I can just say whatever I want. Uh, The light at the end was my first proper big finish. I I saw it was coming out, I I ordered it online, and... Man, I was not disappointed. It is a proper multi-doctor story. There's five doctors, four, five, six, seven, and eight, as well as cameos from the first three doctors via um, impressionists who would later go on to actually play them. So we're talking Peter Purvis is the first doctor, I think. Fraser Hines is the second doctor. And I 
think it was Tim Trelaw as the third Doctor, and he would go on to actually play the third Doctor in in the audios. The main thrust of the story is that the TARDIS suddenly has a little blinking light on the console that none of the Doctors have ever seen before. It appeared in every Doctor's control room. And so they start following the light to its source, which takes them to a pocket dimension and a weapons fair. Each of them arrive in slightly different locations, slightly different times, approaching the problem in their own uniquely doctorish way. So, for instance, the sixth Doctor tries to avoid actually going to the time because he hates being told what to do. But because he's the sixth Doctor and he's a bit of a dick, karma happens and he gets sucked into the Big Bang. But what we do get is a lot of Doctor interaction. Way more than we get in The Five Doctors. And in fact, we get an amazing raison d'etre in which the collective Doctors all gather to defeat their obvious enemy, which is the Master. The light at the end feels like a celebration. There's an incredible remix of the theme tune that can only be described as triumphant. And it is all about belief. It's all about imagination. The fact that the TARDIS seems impossible, the fact that Doctor Who seems impossible, is indeed the crux upon which the story is based. But we know Doctor Who's possible, because we watch it. It's there, and it is wonderful. I think one of the real crowning achievements of The Light at the End is that the different Doctors don't bicker all the time. I think that was a key concern by Nick Briggs, who wrote it. They have a fun back and forth, they have a fun relationship, and that makes it just more enjoyable to listen to. You want to hear the different combinations. And also what's lovely is they all have their own companions with them. A lot of these anniversary specials, particularly this year with the Once and Future event, the companions aren't there. So here we get Seven and Ace meeting Six and Perry. We get the Fourth Doctor and Leela meeting the Eighth Doctor and Charlie, which is like a really, really nice pairing. There's a nice contrast between Leela and Charlie. And actually it's nice to kind of revive something that happened before because actually uh, Charlie and Leela do also meet in Zagreus. The Light at the End is the perfect Doctor Who anniversary audio drama. It's an epic story with amazing music and a really, really excellent returning cast. It has everything you want in an anniversary special, all packed into two hours. And that concludes my roundup of my top five celebratory Big Finish audios. What are your favourite Big Finish audios that celebrate some kind of anniversary? Plonk them in the comments below. Please remember to like and subscribe, uh, rate the show on iTunes or really wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, just enjoy, be positive and watch Doctor Who. Or listen, you can also listen to Doctor Who. That's... Listen to Doctor Who. That's, that's what this is about. <laughs>